In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what is up? It is Roy Wood Jr. And this is Beyond the Scenes. This is the podcast where we journey deeper into topics that we've already explored on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Today, we're going beyond the scenes on a segment that myself and Dulce Sloan do on the show called Can We Convo? And this particular segment was about the black TikTok strike. Let's roll the clip. So these are black TikTok users who are still using the app. They're just choosing to abstain from creating a dance trend to Megan Thee Stallion's new song. And the reason is that historically, when they've created these dance trends, they have been wildly profitable for white creators. And black creators have not seen the same sort of credit. They've not had ownership of these trends, and they're not compensated in the same way as their white counterparts. They're really frustrated, and this strike is their way to take a stand. So the new song for the summer is Megan Thee Stallion's Thought Shit, right? Because we need an anthem, we need a hymn, we need a spiritual. This is supposed to be the song of the summer, right? But the black TikTok dance creators have decided that because their dances keep getting stolen by white people and they keep getting credit for it, they're not doing a dance this summer for Thought Shit. So, like, I, I will say this. It takes a lot of fortitude as a black creator to not dance to Megan Thee Stallion on camera. Oh, man. So, Hats off to them. It's like me giving up sugar. I mean, truly, truly. Or me giving up on these date naps because they keep making me sad, but I keep going back. To help me go deeper into black content creators pulling all they shit off of a platform is one of our Daily Show Deep Dive producers, Chelsea Williamson. Chelsea, hello. Hi, Roy. Good afternoons, good evenings, good mornings, et cetera, et cetera. Also joining Chelsea right now for this first segment, we're going to be joined by a couple of awesome guests uh, later on in the podcast. Co-founder and CEO of Collab Crib, Keith Dorsey. Keith, how you doing, Pam? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Now, before we get to you, Keith, because we got you in here to really break down the strategies and what's happening to black creators. But first... Uh, Chelsea, let me start with you. Walk us through how this segment came together, because, you know, we've already talked about this on a podcast in the past. The idea could come in the elevator. It could come in an official meeting. It could come from a million different places. So walk us through how the black TikTok strike actually came to be. Yeah. So about uh, mid-July, Megan Thee Stallion released Thought Shit, um, her song of the summer. And in response, a lot of black TikTok creators actually said, we are going to take a stand and do a strike against TikTok by not making a dance for thought shit. And they did it because they're like, we are so tired of our dances being appropriated and then taken by white content creators. Um, and we're not now, giving credit. <laughs> now, let's, let's give a little backstory. Let's slow it down. for Because look, Beyond the Scenes is a podcast that 
reaches across all demographics, including age demographics. <laughs> so let's backtrack for a second. TikTok. People go on there, they do a little funky dance, everybody else does a little funky dance, the dance goes viral, the person who created the dance then gets sponsorships because they have all the eyeballs on their channel. Did I break that down correctly as a 42-year-old man? Correct, correct. Okay, so some of these people are taking the dances from black content creators that may not have the following, that may not have the bigger influence digitally, and stealing dances from black creators, putting them on their channels, white, white TikTokers. Right. And then everybody goes, oh, wow, the white TikToker created that. Let's give her all the money and all the exposure. Exactly. OK. Tell me a little bit about this Instagram post where you kind of was getting into it with people. You, you stir at the let's just say you stir at the pot. Yeah. So I watched the um, Hulu documentary that is about Collab Crib. The New York Times presents Who Gets to Be an Influencer is what it's called. That inspired me to do like a bunch of Instagram stories that were just all about it and like how we get to choose who are the top influencers like in this country and why most of them tend to be white. So that was basically like what kind of jump started the whole thing was just that because I found it very interesting and it's something I've been also wondering for quite a while. So Keith. Break down first and foremost, what, what is Collab Crib? Yeah, absolutely. Collab Crib is a all-black content house, actually the first black content house in the United States that features seven top, not just TikTok creators, but social media creators who already have big platforms on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all of them, Snapchat, um, collective of talent, not just dancers, but just uh, like Robbie, he is a uh, film film director, uh, like Kaylin Castle, she's a singer, entertainer. Uh, we have models, we have actor, actors and actresses. It's a house full of talent here in Atlanta. Comedians, do you have room for comedians? We do have comedians in Robbie World as well. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I'm a, we, we gonna talk after the, after the podcast. Absolutely. So what made you, you're the CEO and co-creator of this, of this platform. What was the, as the great Alabama businessman, A.G. Gaston once said, find a need and fulfill it. Yep. What was the need that you saw needing to be fulfilled? What gap does Collab Crib fill? Yeah, well, we, we fill a huge gap. Number one, there were no black content houses, all black content houses. There were none in Atlanta. There were none in the United States. So Robbie and I, we've been discussing this content house literally years ago. Like we all started on Vine. A lot of people remember the great Vine days. And we've always been discussing like how when creators come together, whenever all of them came together to make content, their numbers would be really strong. You know, they would gain different fan bases and it would grow really fast. So it's like, what do we live together? But but really, really boosted our uh, uh, boosted us to really go really quickly to make this happen quick is when we start to see all the opportunities and all the things that the white content creators were getting in LA just off of TikTok and off of something we've been discussing for years. It was like, oh no, we can't miss out on this. We are the talent. We have the culture. Most of the stuff has been taken from Atlanta. Let's go ahead and take, take this big risk and get this huge house and make it happen. It's not only just for us, but also create a hub here in Atlanta where other creators can have access to what we're doing on a grand scale to where they now can believe something like this can happen for themselves. Because at first they were they were not at all until we started. Yeah, there was something very dope that Atlanta used to have. I, 
maybe like eight or nine years ago, in the early days of video on Instagram, um, there was a collective called Ratchet People Meet. And it was a collective of other comedians all from Atlanta who were doing skits. And they go, no, let's pour them all into one pot and everyone comes here and we all get exposure and all give credit uh, to one another. Uh, Chelsea, before we get into meeting some of the other content creators, what are some of the issues that you believe face um, content, the BIPOC content creators out there? They don't get as much um, notice, like they don't get as much attention and it's for a variety of reasons. I think you have within tech itself its own bias that's been written about many times that a lot of these apps, a lot of these um, tech applications are literally not coded for brown and black people um, to be seen, to show up for our hair, like X, Y, Z reasons. But then on top of that, you just have this classic dynamic that's been happening for years, which is if you have a black content creator or a black person doing something and a white person doing something, typically the white person will get more attention and therefore will get more money and therefore will just get more of everything um, just because that's how you know we live in a white supremacist society. <laughs> um, so that's just kind of how it you is. You say it, don't double clutch going on. Yeah, you know, it is It is what it is. But I think you especially see it on social media where you will have these huge like white content creators that are making like crazy, crazy money. And then a black content creator who could have even started at the exact same time and at one point may have had the exact same amount of followers. They never get the same amount of attention. They never get the same amount of sponsorships and they never get the same amount of following. I feel like that's one of the biggest disadvantages we should take a break but i want to real quick just give a shout out to you know you know what i'm gonna tell the jimmy fallon story on the other side of the break ah t-shirt ass ah beyond the scenes we'll be right back <laughs> you thought i was gonna tell you i didn't tell you in the 1980s and 90s new york city needed a tough cop like detective louis scarcella putting bad guys away there's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
with us right now, uh, I'm still joined by the wonderful, wonderful Chelsea Williamson and Keith Dorsey from Collab Crib. Real quick, before we join by our two content creator guests, Keith, what what did you think when you saw the Jimmy Fallon story happen um, initially? And for the people who don't know, a TikToker named Addison Ray was invited on Jimmy Fallon because she has a huge following and she did a bunch of dances. And then black folks was all on the Internet the next day going, nah, dog, she stole them from black folks. And then Jimmy Fallon was like, all right, find them black folks because I need to get them on the show because I don't need y'all hating on Jimmy Fallon all summer. But when you first saw it, like just sitting and watching the clip for the first time, what was your initial emotions? Well, the first thing, one of them I know very personally, her and her mother. So for me, it was like, again, <laughs> how did this happen again after the whole Jalea story with the renegade? The New York Times article went out and then you guys don't have a team in place to research this first before you bring them on the show to stop this. Like, how could it happen again? You know, and then when they brought them on, you know, in the the kids were, you know, excited again and felt like they were gotten their their credit. But it was just like, how does this happen again? I didn't understand it. So let's meet two of these influencers now that are part of the Collab Crib family. First up, we have Robbie. Robbie, hello. Hey, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And also with us with uh, Robbie is Kaylin. Kaylin. Good hey. afternoons and good evenings and good mornings to you. Hi, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, Kaylin, I'll start with you. In terms of content creation, you know, what does an average day look like? Because I think the thing that people, you know, people think that because it's a quick video that there was no thought or strategy or ideation, you know, as part of the creative process. Walk us through some of your creative process every day. Okay, yeah, so usually I start my day editing. So the little 15 seconds that you see, or 30 seconds, or sometimes three minute videos, I usually wake up around seven and I'm just editing those videos just to get them ready to post by three, four o'clock. Um, so that's mostly a part of the um, creative process for me when it comes to shooting like actual content. It, like since Collab Crib has happened, it's become a collaborative act of just like, hey, Rob, what do you think about this video? And, you know, the input from other creators around us in the house that we created is really what's taken our content to the next level. So for me, it's usually just about content collaboration, um, brainstorming, bright and early, and then editing. <laughs> so, Robbie, Robbie. <laughs> Oh, but that's where the magic is made. You got to right. trim. You got to trim. You got to trim. Because nothing's worth. You know what? You know what really sucks is when you have a, a, a like a video that was like thirty seconds, and you watching it. Man, this could have been seventeen seconds. <laughs> and I could have trimmed something. Robbie, what about you? What made you want to be a part of just creating content in general? Like, what's your process every day? So my process every day, and you can ask Keith. I wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Oh God, uh, I'm out. I'm out right now. Nah, you got to You got to get up before your competition. You got to um, get up at five o'clock in the morning. I pray, meditate because um, during content creating and during um, like online, it can be like a headache. It can be like it can wear your mental health down. I do that. I check my phone, of course, see what videos I got to post. Then like Kaylin. I edit. We usually call each other and edit. I love editing. I know she hates it, but I, I love editing. <laughs> then make sure I post everything. Make sure I got 
like my post ready, make sure post ready for my content, collab crib, make sure promos are done. Um, and then I have a writing session and look up what's like trending, like look on Shade Room or World Star, see what's tr- trending as far as, you know, like what's going on on the internet. Then I write skits or uh, TikToks or reels about them. And then I'll shoot them either probably the same day or nice. the next day. Nice. In the moment. So yes. now when when people are creating all of this stuff, Keith, and you know, Collab Crib is trying to decide, you know, here's what we think will gain traction today. Here's what people are talking about today. What are some of the drawbacks of being a black content creator on some of these other sites out there like TikTok and like Instagram? Talk to me a little bit about how the algorithm works either in our favor or against us. <laughs> I think they want to answer that. But I mean, it, it, honestly, it's, it's hard at work. They have to work a hundred times um, more than their like, white creators. And the reason why is because, you know, over the years, we've just seen like the numbers are really low, like certain content doesn't get shown or promoted. Uh, like Kaylin explained in our New York Times documentary on Hulu about how you know, the lighting, you know, she had to make sure that the lighting was a certain way because of their brown skin, uh, making sure like she even had to color her hair to kind of stand out to trick the algorithm, you know, and, you know, Rob because has this face scanning and deciding whether yeah, or not it, black it, or white. Oh, it really man. does that. And also certain things like Robbie is a comedian. Sometimes he does makes dark content, but he even clean it up for TikTok. But certain things he does and makes fun of it gets deleted when white content creators do the same thing and it stays up. So it's always a consistent battle of the algorithm, what they can do, what they cannot do and getting things removed and getting their pages banned. I mean, even like we did the crate challenge, our crate challenge was removed immediately. And I go on Hype House TikTok page and their whole, it, it did eventually get removed, but their whole crate challenge was still up. You know, and we didn't show people falling. You know, it was just really interesting about how, you know, we have to over we have to really overthink before we post it. And Rob, he hates this. So speak on that, Rob, speak on it, because it sounds like they're constantly moving the goalpost on you. So, like, I'm explaining two situations that happened. So it was a situation where it was a challenge and you had to look at this person saying a young thug song or whatever. Right. But um. He was um, special, but I did it from a white creator of mine. They didn't bash him. They bashed me and they were still saying funny to him and all that. And I called him. I said, did you get any hate from doing this video? No, they loved it. And it was literally the exact same video. And wow. and and they deleted mines because and people I was complained. like, yeah, because people complain and it was another situation where I did a TikTok. It wasn't even bad. I didn't show nothing. It was just like a, just a joke. Deleted it two hours like after I posted. But then an hour later, somebody else did the same exact TikTok, used the exact same sound, and it's up, and they went viral for it. The same concept, same thing. And it's just like it's aggravating. And like now, like 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 when I was telling you, keeping up with the trends, so I did a – video uh, about the squid games you seen that on netflix mm-hmm. yeah so i did a whole giant squid game in um collab crib 
but I have to put at the end, and which I think is stupid, but I still have to put at the end so they won't delete my post. Hey, we did not use real guns. Nobody wasn't injured, and it was just using Nerf guns. And I have to say that because they would delete that because of my skin complexion, and I'm shooting a gun, and that's just not fair. Please, guys, do not report this. Nobody didn't get shot. Nobody didn't get killed. It was no harm done to nobody. Everybody was just having fun. This is a kid's game, red light, green light. We used toys, and which is Nerf guns, and that's it. It was nothing like that. So nobody got hurt. It don't go against no community guidelines. We're just having fun. Kaylin, then speak to that as well for me. You post a video, you edit, as you say, from 8 in the morning till about 3 in the afternoon, and you post that thing at 3 o'clock, and then at 3.08, you get that email from the old <laughs> Terms and Services Department. Well, usually when it comes to the editing, I've edited the content like days before. So, you know, what, we always try to keep everything done in advance. Um, but yeah, the moment you do post and you get that message from community guidelines that says you violated them, and however, they don't say how or why you violated them. They just tell you that you violated and they take your video down immediately. So in my experience, I, I just do singing videos. So... <laughs> It, I, it really just, it blows me sometimes that you, you just sit, I'm just sitting there singing or it's a video where someone approaches me and asks me to sing a song and my video disappears. I don't know how that really works, but you know, they have give us, given us the appeal option to whereas you can press that little button and appeal it and they still say no after you appeal it or sometimes they give it back to you. But um, yeah, that's been my experience or even working with brands, um, I think we were doing a music promo this one time and a brand had actually reached out to me and asked me, can I do the TikTok dance in a bathing suit as white creators have done it? They sent me the example video of a white creator doing the TikTok and I, I had to respond. I'm sorry, I have to turn this. Is there something else that I can do? Because me as a black creator, the moment I put on a bathing suit on TikTok, I'm banned, and I didn't even do anything. Oh, black woman tempting these white folks with her curves. <laughs> oh, Lord. So. Get that down right now. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of bias going on on a lot of these apps, and it's, it's really algorithmic because we reach out to them, and we have our contacts now that since we've created Collab Crib and with all our success, we've been able to get in contact with these apps. But it seems like the, their reps are like, uh, I don't really know what's going on either. So it's like we're fighting computers at this point. <laughs> but Okay, so then to that point, then, Keith, do you all ever reach out to, like, are there any representatives from any of these social media sites that will actually get on the phone and go, here's why we deleted the video? Or is it just, hey, dog, sorry? Well, <laughs> basically, that's how they talk, how they talk in Silicon yeah. Valley, by the way. Basically, hey, dog, yeah. it is what it is, cause you fucked up. You shouldn't have did it, bro. <laughs> well, the thing is, we're very blessed to have contacts at each of these platforms. But what we're running into is who is above them and what is above them that they can't, they don't know. You know, they, you know, even TikTok right now has a black TikTok. Um, they they developed to where they're starting to give a lot of support to black creators, but it's still happening and they're not giving a direct answer. And one of the things that even with with Facebook, I know Robbie's been doing a lot with Facebook videos lately. 
Um, and even with those contacts, we're like, can you tell us what the problem is so we can, you know, at least say what video. Sometimes you don't know what video it is or sometimes you do know what video is, but we don't know what particular the issue is. You know, it's always like the vague guidelines that says, do not do this, do not do that, do not do this or you'll be banned or you'll be deleted. But they don't really know. It's like confusion. I have a WhatsApp group with 80 creators in there from all platforms and conversations all the time. It's about what TikTok is doing and how their pages are getting deleted and what and how to to the point where they're now doing troll videos where one kid he and him and his friend was in the pool with clothes on like, hey, we're trying to uh, they had there was a song on the back. It's really funny. I have to say this to y'all. We're trying to stick to the TikTok guidelines. And they was in the pool with fully clothes. It was really funny. So it's they're trying to make the best of it. But I mean, it's just like they don't know. So with all of that being said, um, I'd like to end this this part before we go into the break. Coming back to you, Chelsea. Because you do all of the research. So you know this is an issue. And everything that our creators have just brought up in the last couple of minutes or so right now. How the hell do you trim down the script to go, okay, here's the area where I think we can play creatively on the Daily Show and still make some degree of a point? Yeah, I feel like we start broad and then it's just kind of like what is going to be the heart of the specific segment, the specific issue. Um, and for this one, because it was specifically on TikTok, we knew we were going to focus on the one app. And then we just thought it made the most sense to really go in about the dance and choreography side of things, because that seems to be where we see a lot of the stealing happening, um, though it does happen across more than that area. Um, so, yeah, I feel like with this one, it was just kind of it lended itself well to a very specific and focused uh, con- can we convo. All right. So after the break, we've, we've already talked enough problems. I want to talk solutions with all of you all. Um, also, I think I got some viral ideas. Maybe, hell, I need to be on Collab Crib. Y'all allow 40 year olds on there? I mean, you could come work with us. Everybody can collab. Yeah. Say if I okay. If basically y'all just said if it's good, then we'll see. Okay, I see what y'all just did. That's fine. That's fine. Size me up. I respect that shit. (laughs) Beyond the scenes, we'll be right back. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella, putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. First thing, I want to go back to our black content creators right now, Robbie and Kaylin. Do you think the strike helped? Because here's what I saw, and Chelsea was talking about it in the first break before you all came on, about how all the black TikTok creators were like, all right, Megan Thee Stallion got a hit song, we ain't going to do no dance to it. And then there were a series of dances that started getting passed around. I'm more on Twitter than TikTok. So on Twitter... You get it after. It was... Yeah, we get, we get, we get the dope two, three days later. It's been stepped on. But they started posting videos of all of the white people trying to do their own original dances, and they were flopping. They were flopping terribly. What I am enjoying, though is that black creators are roasting the white girls who are trying to create that. They don't know what to do with the rhythm. Oh, they don't know I've how seen to create. It. it is Boston Market. It is Kenny Rogers Roasters. It is a full luau. We are out here spit roasting. It is <laughs> amazing. Somebody sent me one and it was just the girl with her hands in the air. This, that is not thought chip. <laughs> she gave you the instructions. Hands on your knees, shake your ass, it's not you. So, Kaylin, I'll start with you. Do you think the strike was successful? Okay, I okay. I don't think the strike failed necessarily, but I do think it had its own little segment of success to a certain extent. Because mostly to everyone on the app, you open the app and, and people say immediately. Because the moment you open the app for the first time, they show you Addison Ray or Charlie D'Amelio. You know, just anybody in that little click, that's that's who the, that's who you see first when you open the app. So people's people's thought about TikTok, people used to think, oh, TikTok is such a white app, right? It's it's a app for the white creators. And what I learned from the strike is people started to really recognize that the app is black originated to a certain extent because everything, like all of the content is coming from black content creators so i would say it is success it, it was successful to a certain extent because people really did start to take notice that what is the app without all the tiktok dances that are being created from people like we have in our own house like neil neil was one of the creators that they stole a bunch of his dances not even just one or two it's happened tr- like continuously and yeah it's i think it kind of was successful just and just to piggyback off that too i think it was kind of successful too like it made a noise it made a point but it's still like okay like they're not the issue's still not fixed Mm -hmm. you feel me like and then with the strike being said as a creator it's like saying okay you you're not going to work for a month or two so you lose out on a lot of money. You lose out, and then it's hard to get your engagement back where how it was. Mm-hmm. So that strike was a sacrifice for us black creators because if you don't post for a long time on social media, you're pretty much like dead, and it's hard and it's hard to revive your account. And then the algorithm puts you at the lowest. 
So yeah, even it when show your content to all of the new faces or yeah, even so, your existing fans. Because I know some people that got a million plus followers that was on the strike and now they're back on the content and they're only getting five hundred, a thousand views. Like that's impossible. And what were like, they getting before the strike? They was getting three hundred thousand millions of uh, millions of views. Yeah, like hundreds of thousands of views to three hundred views to a thousand views, and you got five point five million followers. Right. That's that's like okay, yeah, we putting this nigga down. That you know, right. like we couldn't. It's like basically cutting the water off. You cut <laughs> the water off on some of these creators, like, and and it's just sad. And it's the most maddening form of racism because it's the one you can't prove. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Like, at least if a Karen chasing you down the street, you got proof. Right. You can say, hey, look, it's going on right here. So, Keith, with everything over there at Collab Crib, I know that you all have things that you all are doing that probably move differently from the, a lot of these existing content platforms. What are some changes that you would like to see implemented to help level the playing field? Well, I think... Um a lot of it can be really out of our control, you know, when it comes to the platforms, because we don't own it. You know, we could strike and go back and forth and make posts about it, but if we don't own the platforms, there's really nothing we can do about it. Um, we've gotten attention to a lot of reps, and what is good is that a lot of these companies are implementing reps who are in touch with the black creators. And uh, Instagram is one of them, you know, and Facebook is one of them. You know, we recently just sat down with a Instagram rep who's helping us, you know, uh, navigate through what the issues that we're having. Uh, a lot of the labels are starting to reach out. Even when the strike hit, um, of course, Megan Thee Stallion with her affiliations with 300 ENT, they reached out. I, re I actually had the privilege to speak to Kevin Lyles uh, of 300 ENT and he just basically yeah. asked me, you know, what can we do better? <laughs> That's a you know? huge music exec right there. Yeah, because the huge. music execs low key count on the TikTokers because y'all are the streets. Yep. Y'all, yep. uh, if you all decide the song, if you put the dance with the song, then the that's more that's worth more to a music artist than an actual music video. Oh yeah, low key, in terms of exposure and impressions. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm just yeah. for the white and, folks listening who and, don't know shit about rap music. And, right. and to add on to that too, um, that count our TikTok counts as their streams, so they're getting paid from our TikToks as well. Yeah, it's like so if we do a skit or a TikTok to their song and they get a million views, that's like close to like two hundred thousand streams. That they made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. TikTok has been the driving force of a lot of the top billboard songs. And um, so, yeah, those things are happening. Then when it comes to like, you know, we, we always talk about the problem, you know, with the solution, you know, we always engage, you know, what we're doing on a grand scale. You know, we really, to be honest, have been the beacon of light for a lot of black creators, all the whole the whole culture for black creators. You know, we're always doing interviews like this. We have a, a documentary we're talking about on our shows. We have all types of press out there. You know, we've been their voice, you know, and we are super connected to a lot of these people. You know, when we sit down with TikTok, when we sit down with Instagram and even, you know, uh, partnering up with black owned apps like we've done with Fanbase, you know, ran by uh, Mr. Isaac Hayes. You know, all of my creators, 90 percent of the creators that are on that uh, creator advisory board for Fanbase are all are my creators. So now we can bring ideas. We could, you know, um, the issues that we're having, we can put it in something that we actually can have some ownership in and some say so. And someone will actually do it, you know, which is really, really good. And it gives us like somewhat of a like cushion to say, all right, there is some type of hope out there, you know, instead of just falling to the mercy of these 
the other algorithm of things that we don't know. Let me bring it home uh, back to you, Chelsea, as it relates to the Daily Show and the way that we try to unpack things in the building, because I feel like the gift and the curse of our show is that we get to be funny, but also, unfortunately, it has to be funny. Otherwise, it's very difficult to unpack. How much do you feel like this TikTok issue connects to a larger conversation around appropriation? And I know we didn't really get to tiptoe into that in the actual segment, but how much do you feel like this is connected to a much larger conversation? Yeah, I definitely feel like this is like a symptom of a larger disease, honestly. Um, You see appropriation across pretty much everything. Like we talk about it all the time in fashion. We talk about it um, in regards to hair and nails and all of that. And it very much exists in the digital world because we're just presenting ourselves. And it's just like basically a place for black people to almost just be themselves. But in doing that, that gets appropriated too, because that's cool. Like there's just an automatic black cool for a lot of things. So I definitely feel like this is like just a part of it that is just showing that it's only continuing to uh, just evolve instead of being stopped. Um, But hopefully in regards to like the solution side of things through the variety of ways that like Robbie, Kaylin and Keith have mentioned these like this will stop eventually, but I do say the onus is really on the apps and that these tech companies need to be not as performative, honestly, and like actually invest in what the black and brown creators are saying needs to be invested in and needs to be changed in order for them to have an equal experience to their white counterparts. All right. Well, thank you all so, so much. Keith from Collab Crib, Kaylin. Robbie, thank you all so much for what y'all do. Thank y'all for moving the needle forward. You know what, man? I might have to send y'all some of my stand-up comedy clips <laughs> to do some of that 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 ad libbing. You know the the lip dubbing, sinking shit they do with oh, some of yeah. the stand-up clips on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to, I need to find some of them people, man. I some of the comedians don't like it. I love it. You want to memorize my shit in front of a mirror for five minutes? You all right with me? <laughs> <laughs> That's how it start. You got it right That's there. How it start. Indeed. All right, man. Well, thank you all so much for coming with us beyond the scenes. I almost said behind the scenes. We beyond. That's all the time we have for today. But hopefully we've taken you beyond the scenes. See you next week or hear you next week. Well, I won't hear you because you're on. You'll hear me. So, yeah. If you like the podcast, rate and review us, please and review don't just rate and review us or is it just review i should it don't matter you know what i meant just do it please respectfully in the 90s new york detective louis garcella locked up the worst criminals putting bad guys away there's no feeling like it then jailhouse lawyers took aim led by Derek hamilton garcella took me to the precinct and lied 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Luis Garcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to the Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
John Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.